Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, welcome again to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. We are here talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. And I think this is episode 2015. Is that sound right? Yeah, got it right that time. Awesome. Yes. Praise the Lord. Forget about it. Forget about it. So you'll want to go back and listen to the previous episodes because all of them weave together a portrait that is a supplement to the book Insurgents Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. And once again, I have with me my friend and brother in Christ, Jeffrey Harley, who I affectionately call Denzel, because he looks and sounds like Denzel Washington. And Jeffrey is a lead pastor of a church in inner city Philadelphia. He is also a chaplain of a rescue mission, and he is deeply engaged with helping the poor and the homeless, helping people who are suffering and in need, even to clothing them, feeding them, and also helping them find work. I just want you to know a little bit about who he is before he shares about social justice. Just a few words of introduction, and then I'm going to give the floor to Jeffrey. We're going to talk about a thorny issue that has divided many of God's people, social justice and the kingdom of God. Now, I talk about social justice a number of times in the book Insurgents, and the take that I have on it is different from what you will hear on both the progressive left camp and the conservative right camp. Amen. Let me be very clear as to what I don't believe, what my partner in crime, Jeffrey Harley, doesn't believe, so that we're very, very clear and anything we say is not filtered through a false, assumptive grid. We believe very strongly that God's heart is for and toward the poor. Amen. We believe that God moves in solidarity with the oppressed. This is true throughout the Old Testament. It's true in the ministry of Jesus. It is true in the first century church. So we do not believe at all that the ecclesia exists simply to prepare people for heaven and thereby overlooking the needs and the hurts and the suffering of humans. Jesus' ministry was marked by alleviating human suffering. But the way he did it and how he did it was very different from what we here pushed most of the time today. So we want to talk about the social dimension of the gospel, which is very real and important. There is an article I wrote a number of years ago. It was actually out of an interview I did with Relevant Magazine entitled, Following Your Spiritual Instincts in Helping the Poor. And I give both Old Testament and New Testament scripture on this. You can find the article on my blog, frankviola.org. But I say a lot more than that in the book Insurgents, and we're going to delve into this topic mostly from the perspective of my partner here, Jeffrey Harley, who has been part of many, many different movements, all of which you will have heard about, and he's going to share his insights into what he has learned about the topic, some of the conflicts 
It has caused some of the sore points that's related to this whole issue. And brother, I'm just going to turn over to you and uh, you just talk to us about your journey and the conclusions that you have come to in the Lord regarding this issue of social justice. Okay. From Genesis to Revelation, the triune God has a heart for the poor, for the oppressed, and, and for the marginalized. And one of the things that just always astounded me about that in the Bible is that in Exodus, when the law is given after the Ten Commandments, the next laws given are laws concerning the fair and just treatment mm -hmm. of slaves and servants. So just in the ordering of that, how God puts that, it, it shows his heart. And, you know, when we've looked at things like tithing, we see that every third year, you know, a portion was put aside for widows, for orphans, for a safety net that was there in Israel for those that were poor and did not have anyone to take care of them. And we know about the year of Jubilee, where every 50 years all debts were canceled and people who lost their land, they got their land back. And then we see Jesus and his heart and so forth. So as Frankie V said, we see God's heart for that and we believe that. And I'm going to come in later about the spiritual instincts, but just to kind of talk a little bit about my own journey. So in previous podcasts, you know, I mentioned how before I came to the Lord, I was homeless myself in Newark, New Jersey. But before that in my life, I was in the military. I had a very good prominent job working in investment banking. So when it comes to the socioeconomic ladder, I've pretty much been on every rung of that ladder. Mm -hmm. And so when I came into the Lord, I was in an inner city church in Newark, New Jersey. When I got married, my wife and I, being led at the time, I didn't know the term spiritual instincts, would uh, go to Newark Penn Station, where I had spent some time living, and, and feed and take food to people who I knew were hungry and who were homeless. We did that because the Spirit of the Lord was just leading us to do that. And as I began to matriculate, uh, working and moving up, you know, we still had a heart for that. I was a trained volunteer for Prison Fellowship Ministries. It was a ministry that was started by Chuck Colson. And I used to go to three different prisons every other month in the state of New Jersey and did a lot of prison ministry and I enjoyed that. I went to the youth house in Essex County. I mentored youth that were in the youth house. So I did I was a reading buddy for them. So my, my point is is that my heart was, was always with that. But at the same time I was a monthly uh, member of the Bill O'Reilly O'Reilly Factor. I was a paid member and I got to watch, you know, videos of Bill O'Reilly because I watched his show and I listened to a lot of things he talked about. And coming out of the military and being in that and some aspects in the military, I, I had some conservative viewpoints. So I really like had both of those, if you will, both progressive and conservative. Going into about 2001, 2002, I was not doing any of those uh, street ministries like that. But I was still wholeheartedly, I was a person who was uh, nationalistic. That was just a part of who I am. And we talked about in a previous podcast about, you know, culture and different things and how that can influence you. Later on, as, as time went to go by, uh, I began to not agree with Mr. O'Reilly on some things. And 
I ended up, I moved and started working for a labor union. Now, when I worked for the labor union, that was like moving now from the right all the way to the other side, to the left. And I felt that in my heart, I felt that seeking economic justice in the workplace was a part of my walk, you know, with the Lord. Even though I began to see some inconsistencies and the majority of the people I work with were agnostic at best, most of them atheists, and they felt that they were doing God's work too, which produced some interesting conversations. But again, you know, I was following that track, and so, you know, if you kind of listen to me so far, at one time, you know, I'm under the flag, if you will, of the progressive left, and then I'm under the flag of the conservative right, and then I'm back under the flag on the progressive left again. I began in about 2008, started getting a part of the deeper journey, and quite honestly, while I was still with the labor union, 2009, 2010, I had this revelation that just came to me. You know what? When I was on the conservative right, when I was on the progressive left, to be quite honest, I had moved Christ to the margins. Mm. I had, in both instances, whatever flag I was under, it was not under the flag of Jesus Christ. I began to see how the person of Jesus Christ, he's the, not only the head of the church, the head of my life, but in God's eternal purpose, that God had a purpose before creation for humanity. And whether I was on the conservative right or the progressive left, I had missed it. I had made those things, causes. Those, those causes, the center of my being, the center of my mm. worship, the center of everything I am. And I got to tell you something. I read this somewhere. Whatever you worship, you become. Mm. You become what you worship. So because I worship those things, I became that. And at the same time, I'm a licensed minister. I was in seminary. And my seminary had a big push for getting the church outside the four walls in the community. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just don't think that that should be the center of what the church is about. The church is to express the family of God, is to express Christ. And so living by the spiritual instincts, it will be led to do that. So I began to allow the Holy Spirit to really speak to my heart and really see, you know, what is my commitment, real commitment to? Is it to Christ or is it to these causes? Now, at the same time, in about 2011, I left the labor union at a very well-paying job and went to a homeless shelter, a Christian rescue mission in Philadelphia. So that became my occupation. I'm a chaplain there still. I'm with the homeless every day. I do Bible classes, life skills, counseling, all those things. However, I don't see the social aspect of that, that people make the center, I think that we miss the point because whatever else we put in the center, we're pushing Christ to the margins. Even as I worked in 2011, 2012, 2013, I'm reading other books from eternity to here, uh, Jesus of Theography. And, you know, what's interesting, Frank, is that when you have whatever lens that you have that you're looking through, you can even read books that are speaking something else, but you only see mm -hmm. through your, your lens. And so you begin yeah. to interpret it that way. Yeah, you filter it. You filter it through that. 
But, you know, that's why I believe you got to go back and continue reading and continue, you know, reflecting on it and just speaking with the Lord. But I got to tell you, when Insurgents Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom came out, and I'm reading and listening to the messages and the network on the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God, and reading that book, I had to repent because I really had to see that I knew I knew this thing was there. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And so the book really put its finger on it for me of this powerful gospel of the kingdom of God. As Frank says in a book, this knee-shaking, earthquaking gospel of the kingdom and how it upturned the world that was currently there. And that was out of Acts 17. These men who have turned the world upside down. And I thought about that. I mean, think about that. Acts 17, it's around verses 6 and 7. These men have turned the world upside down. And I thought about it. And I said, you know, when social justice was the center for me, it really wasn't turning the world upside down. And when the conservative right issues were the center for me, it really wasn't turning the world upside down. Whether I was on the conservative right or the progressive left, we were still trying to get government to implement the things that we believed in the gospel. In the book, Insurgents, when you start seeing the classic kingdoms and, and you see the world system, it's just like this aha moment. How am I trying to use the tools the instruments, the vehicle, the world system, to change the world system. And it said, you know what, that seems kind of foolish to me. Then secondly, there was a point made in the book that the colony from heaven, which we are, the family of God, sons and daughters, to those who believe in him, Christ, he gave the authority, the right to become what? The sons and daughters of God his eternal family. We're not here to make the world a better place. We're the better place in the fallen world. If you listen and think about that, I'm like, wow, I'm out here trying to do that. But what about being that better place? When I was reading this and listening to these messages for three years, I had already been pastoring in the city of Philadelphia. And it began to challenge, challenge my perspective challenge my worldview. And that's a good thing. I'm really praying that you'll read the book, that you'll reread the book, you'll listen to these podcasts, and you'll seriously, prayerfully look at that. Now, that's why we made the bold statement in the beginning that we believe in those things. Because remember, I'm still a chaplain at the rescue mission. I still make sure people got clothes. I still make sure people got food. I still make sure and help guys get jobs and job training, and GEDs, and all that, but that's not the center. And so my conversation centers around Jesus Christ and sharing with them what the ecclesia is, what the ecclesia is about, and prayerfully people, the Lord calling people into that. And so, you see, that can get you a lot of conflict, because there's some people in my context, in my city, who feel that if you're not doing social justice, then you're not doing the gospel. And I just don't see that in the Bible as the calling of the ecclesia. I don't see that. The Lord just ministered to me one day. I was walking in August. It was a couple of weeks after our Deeper Christian Life Network conference at the end of July. And it was like Jesus was just speaking to my spirit and said, Son, I didn't come 
to change the governmental or religious yeah. leaders. I came and I ministered to those who were victims of those systems. Mm. Whether wow. they were victims as being oppressed by those systems or whether they were victims by profiting from those systems. Oh, wow. Because both sides, those who profit from it and those who are oppressed by it, are both victims of the world system. And so it took me back when I, was, I went back and started reading Insurgents again and listening to an audible. And that's when that phrase kept coming back to me. The body of Christ, the family of God, the eternal family of God in the earth is not here to make this world a better place. It's to be a better place in a fallen world. The gospel is so powerful. It transforms us. But I believe the only way to really be transformed is to be open, to be broken by it, and then to take a stand for it. And so, as an African-American male, who's a person who took men from the shelter and marched down Broad Street, around City Hall, down Market Street, to Independence Mall, with Black Lives Matter, what we saw as, and I still think they were, unjust killings of unarmed black men around the country. To march with those men and say those things and, and, and to walk with that, I did it. But even amongst the midst of the people we were marching with, the majority of them don't know Christ. And Jesus Christ was not being lifted up in that march. Right. Christ is not, he's not, he's not being lifted up in that. And yes, that made me feel good emotionally. It made me feel great to march, to protest. It's something appealed to my flesh. But at the end of the day, Christ was not lifted up. And a couple of years ago, we did that, and I have pictures of it, and I look at the men who were homeless who were with me, and one of them, he was only 21 years old. And last year, Christmas, he died from a drug overdose. Being in that march didn't move him forward, didn't move him to Christ. Mm -hmm. The other four or five, some of them are still homeless and still struggling. And some of the other ones, I have no idea where they are, whether they're alive or what they're doing. You see, none of that brought them to Christ because the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Well, that wasn't focused around the Word of God. It wasn't focused around the cause of Christ. It wasn't focused around being a better place in a fallen world. It was focused around trying to protest to the government authorities that you have to stop doing that. Do I think that that is wrong when those things happen? Yes, I think that's wrong. But I don't see how that moves Christ. And I don't see how that moves God's eternal purpose in the world. I just don't see that. So here's my point with all that. We have to really solemnly quiet our, our minds and our hearts and, and sit in the presence of the Lord and just really honestly ask ourselves, is this the calling of the family of Christ in the earth? And again, remember, I, Monday through Friday, I'm arm in arm and I'm ministering and I'm living life with people who are homeless, who are poor, and who are returning citizens. The church that I get to serve is in the second to third worst neighborhood in the city of Philadelphia. We have some of the highest homicide rates, drug abuse, over 80% of the households in our community are single parent. 
Most of the people live in homes where they're renting rooms. The unemployment rate is three times that of the normal unemployment rate or the average in the city. And our church, every Tuesday, we have a soup kitchen ministry, a clothing ministry, and we're there for the people in that community. I consider every person, whether they come to our fellowship or not, that we're there to serve them. But that's not our focus. It's not the center of why we exist. And that message has to continue to be reiterated every time we open the doors. We have to remember who we are. So I always tell our fellowship, when you know who you are, you can go far. And we have to be who we are in Christ and allow Christ to live his life through us individually and then even more importantly, corporately, to be his body in the earth to be that better place in a fallen world. And so that's the issue I'll have when social justice is at the forefront. I was sharing a message about the kingdom of God, you know, with our fellowship, and we talked about fallen civilization. And, you know, think about it. I actually, I heard Frank say this. The first children of Adam and Eve, there was a homicide, Cain, killed Abel. And the Lord said, I heard his blood crying out to me from the ground. And God was the one that dealt with that. But there was no one else of their other children who were walking around with signs saying Abel's life matters. They didn't do that. And God's purpose continued to be moving forward. And now, I don't want you to get me wrong. It hurts me every time I see a human being be killed, homicide was not God's will for humanity. That is a work of Satan. You know, it hurts me when I know that in my city, 30%, it's probably higher than that, children go to bed hungry. And I know we see children every Sunday and every day when we're in that community who go to bed hungry. That's why we try to get a food pantry. And we're not a rich church. We don't have a lot of resources. But whatever we have, we put towards that community. But Christ, Jesus Christ, is the head of our local body. And it's Jesus Christ and his agenda, and that's the only agenda. And then as he leads us by our spiritual instincts, we help people. We do those things. But sometimes that means that some people who want their rent paid, I've had to say no. Because when I sit down and talk with somebody and I ask them what income they get in and how they're spending that money and if they're wasting it or they don't want to get on a budget, you just don't just sit out and just do those things. You must have discernment because sometimes the Lord doesn't want you moving in that arena. And some seasons the Lord wants you to pull back and do inreach in the community of believers and pull away from outreach. It just can't be 24-7. At the end of the day, and we talked about the world system and, and politics and those things, we've seen people from since Cain and Abel, there was murder, until Christ comes. We are in the new heaven and the new earth, and the government's on his shoulders. That's when that will be changed. But we must be faithful, diligent in the calling and the purpose of God that he 
has yeah. called us to come together to be. And when we're that better place, as we talked about racism, and we knock down those barriers, and when we're that better place, and we knock down the barriers of classism, and when we're that better place, and we knock down the barriers of sexism, and when we're that better place, and we knock down all those barriers, and we're the light, the light in darkness, and then we can be what I would call Noah's Ark, a place of refuge yes. for those to come Amen. and have salvation and join our eternal family and be a part of God's great reclamation project, his global reclamation project of the nations. When we are doing that, when we're a part of that, that's who we are. And we can't allow distractions to pull us off course to what we've been called to do. So Frank, that's pretty much my journey. But see, in my journey, I get it. You know, like I said, you know, people are stunned when I tell them that for like a year or so, I was a monthly member. I paid $30 or so or whatever it was per month for the O'Reilly Factor. And I like listening to Bill O'Reilly. And so I flew the flag of the conservative right. I flew the flag of the progressive left. I flew the flag of social justice. You pretty much named the flag, I flew it. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter's flag. Flew that flag. What I'm saying is, is that only the flag of Jesus Christ Amen. will last for all eternity. Read Daniel 7:14. His is an everlasting kingdom. Amen. All the other kingdoms in this world will pass away. So why not bow down? To the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. 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 So good. So good. I think one of the things I'm hearing is that your fellowship, your kingdom community there, is doing the work as an extension of expressing Christ. Not the extension, but yes. as one of many. As one of many. And ministering to people who are suffering and in need, opposed to trying to get the government <coughs> to solve the problems. Absolutely. Which is what's really behind the modern social justice movement. Yeah. And as you said, I've observed this too. People who get involved in that movement, there's a lot of energy behind it. There's ulterior motives very often, as you pointed out very honestly and candidly. So many of them don't even know the Lord. Yeah, yes. And even the Christians, quote-unquote, who are part of those movements, the genuine Christians, you never hear them talk about Jesus Christ. Yeah. The gospel of the kingdom is never preached, except to point to him as sort of an example. Well, Jesus fed the hungry, therefore we have to do this too. And so it's more of a pointing to his teachings, mm -hmm. rather than having a genuine relationship to him as a living, breathing person now who is speaking and moving and acting through his body. Yeah. You see, and there's a big, big, huge difference between the two. And so I have met many people who jumped on the social justice bandwagon in its present form who either don't know the Lord at all or have a very shallow relationship with him. And in other areas of their life, they are completely tied to the world system. Yeah. And not even recognizing that what they're trying to do, as you pointed out, is trying to leverage the world system to fix the problems that the world system produces. Hello. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have an example in the book about someone who says, 
I'm not really interested in the deeper things of God. I'm really not interested in knowing the Lord. I'm really not interested in this business about living by his life or ecclesia. I'm hungry for justice. Mm. And that was her God. Yeah. It is possible to serve the God of social justice and not Jesus Christ. It is possible to serve the God of evangelism and not, not Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. It is possible to serve the God of Bible study and not Jesus Christ. And you can't put all those together and say, well, because I'm helping poor people, I know the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I know atheists that help poor people. Anybody can feed somebody that's hungry. Yeah. It doesn't take the Holy Spirit living inside no, of you doesn't. and being redeemed. And there's nothing about the gospel of the kingdom in that. And so the gospel of the kingdom is not only an explosive message, but it is a life. Yes. And out of it comes a care for our out fellow of, men, of, our life. fellow women, yes. those yes. who are suffering. Yes. But that is a byproduct. It's not the prime product and it's not the engine that drives. Another thing too is if you watch cable news, you mm -hmm. will find very often there will be advocates of social justice on these programs. Mm -hmm. And they're very passionate and very articulate about their cause. But that's just it. It's all about a cause. You their never cause. hear them preach the gospel of the kingdom. No. Never. Never. No. You never hear them talk about Jesus Christ, except as a footnote to say, well, you know, if Jesus was here, this is what he would do. Mm -hmm. Or Jesus taught this, take one verse out of scripture, and then basically say, Jesus says grace over what I'm doing. And that's the extent of it. Yes. And so the interviewers are not being convicted by the Holy Spirit. No. They're not hearing the gospel of the kingdom. It is a cause. It is an it. It is a thing. It is not Christ. And that is what you have discovered yes. in your journey. And, and I really appreciate it because, again, you are very active in helping yes. those in need. But it's the ecclesia doing it, not trying to get government to do it. Because, as we all know, at least in our culture, the government has been trying to fix those problems for many, many years. And they still exist. And, brother, they still will exist. If you go back to the election of 1896, I believe it was, William Jennings Bryan and William McKinley, one of the debates was about health care. <laughs> it's over 100 years ago. And I'm going to piggyback, Frank, on what you were saying. I was reading T.A. Sparks this morning. And, and Sparks says... The Lord calls for distinctiveness of life and testimony. Real distinctiveness of life and testimony. And he says, is our life, dear friends, is your life and my life in this world, in our connections and associations and so on, is it quite distinct? In other words, no mistaking to what realm we belong, to whom we belong. No mistaking it. Or are we mixed in, compromising? keeping on good terms with this world and its people under the devil's hands. If so, we stand to lose terribly. Is there something quite distinctive about our lives that says that man, that woman, that young man, that young woman is utterly for God? There's no doubt about it. You see it all the time. They are utterly for God. They're not playing at things. There's no compromise with them. Now this sounds hard, but it's necessary. He says, Dear friends, the secret of power is holiness, which means being set aside for his purposes. It is the secret power of holiness. If our lives are powerless, it may be due to this lack somewhere, somehow, of this utterness for God, this separation unto God, of some kind of compromise, somehow, somewhere, with the prince of this world who's robbing us of our spiritual power and vitality on this ground. 
And so what I've also noticed, and it just came back in, you know, to my spirit when you were talking, Frank, is that what I see in the city of Philadelphia, city, city of Philadelphia is like the fifth largest city in the country, mm. but it's the poorest city in the country. Wow. It has like a 28% poverty rate, which is probably higher than that. But here's my point. You can get grant money from the city, from the state, and from the government to do certain projects like that. And then you have to ask yourself, when you see certain institutions, some of them naming the name of Christ, who now their budget is dependent upon serving these poor people. But my point is, I don't see you know, Christ in that. And if it's not Christ, then how will transformation ever happen? It won't happen. That's right. And there's times when you have to wonder, are they just spiritual racketeers, poverty pimps, yeah. because, and business is good. And so when your check is dependent upon that person you're serving to stay in that state, where's your motivation to mm -hmm. see them move out of that state? To me, that's why cut the strings from the world system, Yes. sever them. None of us are rich, yet... We get to do certain things in that community because the Lord provides. Yes. And not only that, we get to go to Senegal, West Africa, and we were, by the grace of God, able to do a health clinic in a village that has no electricity and people never saw a doctor before in their lives and they were 70 or 80 years old. We're small, and by God's grace, he always supplies the needs that we need. You know, there was a, a famous... Uh, black pastor, Baptist pastor, C. Gardner-Webb that went home with the Lord a year or two ago. And he used to always say, where God guides, he provides. Mm. And so if the Lord leads you into an area to do something, and he's the one operating through the body, he will provide the resources to do what he wants to do. He'll have a beginning date and he'll have an ending date for whatever you're doing. And so if you got to keep him as the center. Because when your budget is dependent upon these worldly systems, then you're, you're dependent more on the worldly systems than you are the Lord. Yes. And now you've made this, you know, as you said, your God. And, you know, just to add on, even being pastor can become a God, you know, to you. So, yeah, I'm probably getting an inflection of my voice because I'm very passionate about that because I've had that experience, and the experience I gave you, that traversed about 15, 16 years. But when I was reading Insurgents, the reclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I began to see those things just being laid out to me, and the Spirit of God was just ministering to me. I was like, wow, this is incredible. How could I have missed that? But thank you, Lord, for that experience, because now I can share that with others. And my encouragement is if you haven't bought the book to read it, if you read it, read it again, read it again, keep sitting before the Lord, and really wrestle with these issues. And look at your life and walk with the Lord. There should be a distinctiveness about the believer that's different from the world. And we walk in supernatural and the world in the natural. That's a good word, brother. Very well articulated. I thought of two illustrations. Let's see what you think about this. Mm -hmm. First one is, let's just imagine that the government had the ability and the willingness to alleviate all the problems in a country, we'll just start small here. Mm -hmm. All right, so we both live in the United States. I'm in Florida, you're in Pennsylvania. Well, let's just say 
we woke up tomorrow morning and the government waved a magic wand from federal to state to local and all the laws were just the economy was just the criminal laws were just the court system was just and let's even say for sake of analogy mm -hmm. that there was no more crime let's just say for sake of analogy there was no more poverty let's just say for sake of analogy that everyone had jobs everyone was capable of working and so basically all the things that the political parties are lobbying for and campaigning on all of its resolved okay now some people christians would say ah that's the kingdom of god come to earth wow and i say absolutely not that's right because where is the lordship and kingship mm. of jesus christ amen the name of the game is not to solve the problems of the world amen. you can be in a city a town amen. that has just laws economic social political. <laughs> political harmony and peace and that does not mean that you are now submitting your heart and your allegiance to the lord jesus christ that's right it's not the same no in fact, who, who was the one that waved the wand in that? <laughs> Probably beat it up. It's not point the same. There is this concept that many people have imbibed, mostly younger people, mm -hmm. that if I do what I think is going to make the world a better place, I am automatically serving and living for Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it ignores most of what he talked about as it involves your own personal lifestyle, what your heart is tied to, Amen. what your thoughts are tied to, what you put in your body, how you treat other people, Amen. and on and on and on, you see. So, so just fixing the problems of the world and following this man, Jesus, mm -hmm. are two completely different things. Amen. The other analogy I would give is, let's just say you have a couple. They're married. Mm -hmm. They've taken their vows. And... The husband's name is John, and the wife's name is Jennifer. Okay. John and Jennifer. All right. Now, let's say that John is passionate about fishing. Okay. He loves fishing. He's actually an expert in fishing, and that's where his heart beats. He's all into fishing. Well, let's now say that Jennifer, in order to please John, takes fishing classes, studies fishing, mm -hmm. studies fishing poles, different types of fishing, fly fishing, studies the different kinds of water where the fish appear, studies the different types of bait, and she becomes someone who gives her whole life and attention to fishing. But she never talks to John. Hmm. She never spends time with John. Hmm. She doesn't really know John all that well. Wow. And she actually has relationships with other men. Oh, wow. But, but John's into fishing, mm. and I know that, and so I'm going to take up fishing, mm -hmm. but she hardly knows the man, John. Wow. I have just described many Christians wow. who have given their passion and life to something they believe Jesus is passionate about, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And they haven't submitted their personal life to Jesus. And they don't spend time with Jesus. All they know is that Jesus is into whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Social justice. So yeah. I'll take up social justice. Evangelism. So I'll take up evangelism. Mission. Bible study. So I'll take up Bible study. Mission. So I'll take up mission. Discipleship. So I'll take up discipleship. Leadership. So I'll take up leadership. Signs and wonders. So I'll focus on that without really knowing the Lord himself.
mm. and giving their allegiance to him. Yes. Now, not just his teachings, but him yeah. now. Yeah. As well as what he said. I see. And so, because there is a concept in people's minds that if I give myself to a certain cause that I believe Jesus is behind, that's the equivalent to submitting to Jesus and knowing Jesus. And brother and sister, it is not. It's not. You know, that's, those are two great analogies, Frank. And when you said that one, what just came in my, in my heart was Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Mm. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they said his name twice, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, then we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name. Now this is, Pastor Jeff adding something to it, feed the hungry in your name, do missions in your name, do social justice in your name, go on a march in your, in your name. Then I will announce to them, I will announce, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. This is eternal life, John 17, 3 says, that you what? Know him, know him. That's eternal life, knowing him intimacy. Paul said, I count everything else as dumb, that I may what? Know him intimately. That's what it is. And when we know him intimately, he will guide us and lead us into what he will want us to do, because we will learn how to live by his indwelling life. Mm. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.